right, Jenna, thanks for that, that uh, reading. And, uh, you know, just it's so great to be here at Community. My name is John Ferguson. I'm one of the pastors here at Community. And um, just love any time I'm here to celebrate together, even when it's hot, as John said, and it has been hot and it has been humid. Um, but also just want to say how excited I am about what's happening here. And uh, John and Jenna, I haven't had a chance to brag on you guys, but just so grateful for your leadership and um, how you've jumped right in here and I think uh, just made community the place and continue to make it the kind of place we hope it would be as we try to do what we can to impact the city. So thank you. Can we just like express our thanks to them? Yeah, I think that's a good. Yeah, yeah, very good. And wow, awesome worship. That was great, you guys. Fantastic. Let's, let's express our thanks to the worship team too. Let's express our thanks to my wife, Lisa, you know, and, and any, anybody else need to be thanked today? Dan, Amy, you know, any, Cornelius? All right, anyway, why not? Just thank everybody today. <laughs> um, you know, who would you say, I have a question for you, get, get to my point here. Who would you say is the most famous person uh, you've ever met? Who is the most famous person you've ever met? All right, and I want to hear some names. Go ahead, just give me a name or two. O.J. Simpson, okay, let's, <laughs> okay, <laughs> we, we need to explore that further, Amy just kind of quieted the entire room with that response, I have no idea what to say right now, okay, how about somebody on this side of the room, <laughs> the Queen of England, okay, all right, so anyway, that was fun, <laughs> let's take a couple more, who else? Pat Fitzgerald, all right, head coach of the Northwestern Wildcats. Go Cats, uh huh, indeed. Anybody else? Henry Winkler. Henry Winkler. Hey, see, I, I'm actually old enough to have watched those when they were actually coming out. That's the pathetic thing about that. All right, cool. Well, this might not be the most famous person I've ever met, but I will never forget a Sunday. It was right here at Community Lincoln Park, and I was like sitting on the first or second row like I typically do. It wasn't this uh, location. It was, this is a few years back, so I can talk about it now. But um, as we were asked to today, stand up, meet the person behind you, I stand up and I turn around, and I come face-to-face with Cubs all-star catcher Giovanni Soto. Now, he played like in, I don't know, maybe like six, seven years ago. Does anybody remember him? Please, a couple of you raise your hand. Okay, cool, good. Uh, the, guy, the guy actually had a couple great years. I was so tongue-tied and star, starstruck in the moment. I, I don't even know what I said to him. Probably just bumbled my way through an introduction. But anyway, it was really cool uh, to meet Giovanni Soto in that way, and he pretty famous guy at the time. Now, one of the most recognizable and famous people in our lifetime actually was actor and comedian Betty White. You guys know who that is, right? Uh, she worked in front of and behind the scenes and was one of the only, or the first woman, I should say, the f- first woman in the United States to produce a sitcom. Famous people, right? But there's a different kind of famous now. There's a different kind of famous now. We call them influencers, Right? Yeah, you're like, hmm, yeah, influencers. Uh, take, for example, this guy. Anybody know this guy's name? Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Zach King, yeah, yeah. Over 68 million followers on TikTok. 68 million, that's crazy. Makes these 15 second videos that all of you have seen. I think we got a couple examples of what his comic looks like. Breaking news, LA is being hit by one of the worst rainstorms in history. Zach, it looks like you guys are being hit hard out there. That's right, it is downpouring here in LA. As you can see, it's caused chaos with the uh, Um, let's take a look at Sports Yo, 
Zach King, man. I love your car. What do you do for a living? What's up, dude? I do uh, magic videos. That's sick, man. This car's awesome. What year is it? Uh, oh, this is a... Uh, what? Please don't post the video! All right, everybody. Museum's going COVID compliant. Need you to wear a mask at all times. Scream, can you watch this spit this week? Here you, Van Gogh. Guys, what's going on? Come on. There's no indoor dining. We need this Last Supper moved outdoors. Come on, let's get out of here. Let's move, let's move. Hey, Judas, I'm watching you. Nice. Apparently, Zach King knows his Bible, too. All right. Brings a little wonder into our world 15 seconds at a time. Uh, but, you know, the Internet has really made it possible for almost anyone to become famous. An estimated 3.4 billion people engage on social media. Think about that. 3.4 billion people. 45% uh, of the world's population is on social media, which means becoming famous is a huge opportunity now to influence people literally all over the globe. And they say there's four types of influencers. I don't know if you've heard this before or not. There's nano-influencers with fewer than 1,000 highly committed followers. There's micro-influencers who are regular people but have specialized knowledge with a following of 1,000 to 4,000 people. There are macro-influencers who have 40,000 to a million followers. And then finally, there are mega-influencers with over 1 million followers. I don't know where you fall on those categories, but one source estimates that there are now as many as 37 million influencers. Now, I want to know what happens when the influencers outnumber the followers. Is that like social media meltdown? I mean, it's not going to work, is it? A few years ago, uh, New York Times columnist David Brooks wrote, he said, fame used to be a low value. Now fame is the second most desired thing in young people. Fame is the second most desired thing in young people. Of course, I want to know what the first one is, but I don't know. But they did a study and asked, would you rather be president of Harvard or Justin Bieber's personal assistant? President of Harvard, Har Harvard, Justin Bieber got me there. President of Harvard or Justin Bieber's personal assistant, by three to one, people would rather be Justin Bieber's assistant. Some of you are going, well, of course, hello. <laughs> Brian Robbins, whose company creates YouTube channels for teens and tweens, told The New Yorker, when you speak to kids, the number one thing they want is to be famous. The number one thing they want to be is famous. They don't even know what they want to be famous for. They just want to be famous. Now, what about you? Anybody here, show of hands, want to be Justin Bieber's personal assistant? Go ahead, you can admit it. I know you're, some of you are thinking, yeah, yeah, John, our pastor is going to leave as our pastor becomes Justin Bieber's personal assistant. That's good. <laughs> Uh, but do you ever feel like, I mean, do you ever feel like your urge to be noticed or influential, maybe even on like a, a nano or micro level, is just a little too strong, honestly? I, I do. Do you, do you ever feel that way? Like this, this urge like to be noticed or influential in some way is just a little bit too strong. Do you ever uh, maybe sense that your mood changes just a little bit based on the number of likes you receive after you post something. Anybody? Uh, you know, some of you might say, well, you know, I don't want to be influential. Others might say, well, I do, but I know I'm not, at least not now. And others of you are just going, I just want to get to brunch. Can we just get on with this? <laughs> um, but think about it. I mean, why the obsession with being influential today? Why is this their want, this longing, this desire, this aspiration to be influential? See, I ask all these questions because the truth is all of us have influence. 
I mean, even if we're not on social media, we still have influence. What we say, right? Uh, what we do, uh, the choices we make actually impact other people. They, they actually do have influence. And I bring that up because today, as, as uh, John and Jenna have, have told us, we continue our walk through Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. And this section, what I love about it, it has a lot to say about influence, uh, Philippi was a leading city in the district of Macedonia, and as a, a Roman colony, the citizens of, of Philippi were heavily influenced to adopt the customs and values and practices of the Roman Empire. And so when Paul began sharing the good news of Jesus as king and inviting people to live in Jesus' kingdom community, his message faced strong resistance from those who were loyal to Rome. And Paul was calling people to a citizenship in a different kingdom, and people had to make a choice as to what their ultimate allegiance was going to be. Was it going to be the Roman emperor, or was it going to be to Jesus? Was it going to be to the ways of the kingdom of Jesus, or was it going to be the ways of the kingdom of Rome? And in the second chapter of Philippians, Paul talks about how our influence will actually be influenced by our allegiance to Jesus. Think about that. He talks about how our influence will actually be influenced by our allegiance to Jesus. And he, he begins this chapter by painting a beautiful, beautiful picture of what influence looked like to Jesus. And I can tell you, it's very different than what influence looks like to Zach King. I'll tell you what I want you to do is uh, take a look at Philippians chapter 2. And if you, if you want to pull your smartphone out and follow along, we're just going to kind of go verse by verse today. So that's probably the best way to do it if you have it on your smartphone or if you want to follow along on the screen, you can. But I want to start in verse 6 because Paul starts this description of Jesus this way when he says this. He says, Jesus, who being in very nature God. Jesus, who being in very nature God. First we read that Jesus was in nature what? He was who? He was, help me out. This is where you talk and I don't write God. Yeah, for Paul, Jesus, Jesus is God. Let's, let's not forget that. Jesus is God. He always was God and didn't stop being God when he became a person. And Paul wasn't the only one to make this claim. Uh, John, one of Jesus' closest followers and friend, he also said these words. He said, in the beginning was the word, in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Now, I couldn't help but time out for a second, Coach. Just, just think about it. John was a close friend and follower of Jesus. He spent time with Jesus almost every day for three years, all right? Imagine saying this about someone that you were that close to. See, he knew Jesus as a friend, but at the same time, he also eventually came to the point where he recognized that this friend of his that he followed was his Lord, and he was his God. John knew Jesus is God in the flesh. So both Paul and John make the point that Jesus has always been at work in our world as God himself. Continuing in our poem, Paul writes that Jesus um, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage no, Jesus didn't cling to the advantages of being God while he was human. He didn't pretend. He didn't like fake it, like pretend to be human while secretly using his divinity to kind of get ahead, to gain you know, fame, even if it might have seemed strategic at certain times to do that, which is completely opposite of what it's like in our world, right? I mean, if you've got the position or you've got the power, you better use it, right? 
to gain influence. It's expected, but not with Jesus. Rather, he made himself nothing. He made himself nothing. One version says he emptied himself. Doesn't mean he stopped being God. Instead, no, he, he, he on his own will gave up a part of himself to be fully human and fully God. In another letter, Paul wrote that God in Jesus reconciled the world to himself. God in Jesus, God was Jesus, reconciled the world, us, right, and everything in it to himself. What? Through the cross. On the cross. In other words, Jesus was God on the cross. So when Paul says Jesus made himself nothing, he means that in, in his humanness, Jesus set aside the advantages that he had of being God, and he made himself nothing. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. Jesus not only became human, he became the most humble human you could become. He became a servant. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Wow, I mean, do you see the progression here? Isn't it amazing if you think about it? It's, it's not that Jesus, again, took off his godness, if you will, you know, put it aside to become man. No, instead, with incredible humility, as God, he stepped into his humanity. But he didn't stop there, no. He, he came to serve, and then he went beyond that, and he went to the cross. And I know sometimes we think of the cross as, you know, a nice piece of jewelry or a cool tattoo or some sort of symbol, but the cross represented the most horrific death imaginable. You're beaten to a bloody pulp, and your naked body is nailed to two pieces of wood for everyone to see. And it was on that cross that Jesus took on himself all of our guilt, all of our shame. He wore the weight of our failures. He wore the, carried the consequences of the messes we've made of our own lives and of this world. And yet in the end, he was victorious as he overcame death when he came back to life so that you and me and us together, we could be forgiven and receive a new life free from the destructive cycles of sin and death. That's a lot. And that is what influence like, looks like. <laughs> That's how Jesus got billions of followers. And so it's Jesus who offers us um, a way to be holistically and, uh, and eternally reconciled to God and to each other. It's Jesus who offers us life to this full, and it's this Jesus to whom we pledge our allegiance. You know, if we, if we back up a little bit, uh, Paul shares uh, this, Paul shares that he gave us this poem and included this poem in the letter to encourage us to adopt the same mindset as Jesus. That's why he included this. He wants us to adopt the same mindset as Jesus. So let's back up to verse 5 if you're following along on your smartphone or on the screen. If you back up, Paul writes this initially. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, okay? So it's not going to be enough for us to say, oh, wow, yeah, Jesus did that. Okay, buckle up because this is where it's going to apply to you, okay? 
Paul presents this incredible image of Jesus, his humility and his humanity. And then he says, I want you, as a follower of Jesus, to have the same mindset. Some translations use the word attitude. We're to have the same attitude as Jesus. But, you know, the actual uh, word in the original language is phronesis. Phronesis. Say that after me. Learn a Greek word. Phronesis. Yeah, there you go. Phronesis. And, And phronesis really... It's more than just an attitude, because I don't know about you, but like, I can get an attitude pretty quick. Anybody else? <laughs> just ask my wife. I had an attitude last night because we were getting home later than I wanted to get home, right? Attitudes come and go. So I don't really like attitude as the translation here. To me, it's, it's the mindset. That's the word I want to use there. That's what phronesis means, because it's an all-encompassing way of life. This humble way of life that Jesus takes on and Paul challenges us too. I mean, it affects everything. Everything. Uh, one of the most vivid examples I can remember of this approach to life was several years back when my daughter Chloe and I went to Ecuador on a trip uh, sponsored by Compassion International. And uh, we were fortunate on that particular tri- trip to have Wes Stafford, the president of Compassion, join us on the trip. He was the, the president of Compassion at that time. And it wasn't just, you know, West Stafford, my daughter and me. There was, like, other people on the trip, too. But it was incredible to have him along because under West Stafford's leadership, Compassion became the world's largest Christian development organization. When he was president, the number of children being served by Compassion went from 180,000 to more than 1 million children served in 26 of the poorest countries across the globe. The man was incredible. Under his leadership, that organization did mammoth things. And every morning, okay, he would... Uh, offer up devotionals to the team that that was on this trip. He would lead us in devotionals. He would share leadership principles. It was incredible. But what was most impactful about that time was how Wes Stafford handled himself when he wasn't up front teaching and when he wasn't giving devotional thoughts. Because this guy who had so much influence, so much, you could say, power in some respects, had this uncanny ability to make anyone he was with at any given time feel like they were the most important person in the world. It didn't matter if it was a little child who approached him in one of the villages that we visited while we were there or if it was a person who was capable of writing a six-figure check. It didn't matter. He treated everybody with incredible respect and dignity. I mean, if it was you, when you were with him around him, my daughter experienced this. He gave her his full attention. He was, like, so in tune with her. It was amazing. I was incredibly inspired by his humility. It kind of reminded me of um, Jim Collins published a book years ago titled uh, Good to Great. They studied corporations from across the globe that were the most successful, looked at the CEOs, and they found that these CEOs of the most successful corporations had two characteristics. They were incredibly humble and relentlessly determined. Incredibly humble, but at the same time relentlessly determined. That's what I saw in in West Africa, and I think that's what we see in Jesus, right? Jesus gives us this picture of humility, and he shows us how we can be people who genuinely live humble lives like him. And uh, here's the heart of what I want us to understand from this section in Philippians, okay? Here's the heart of what I want us to get. We are actually to pursue fame. We are actually to pursue influence and fame. But here's the catch. It's not about becoming influential or famous ourselves. Life is not about becoming influential or famous ourselves. See, Jesus had all the privilege, all the status and honor anybody could ever attain, right? 
but he made himself nothing, became a servant, gave his life for us, and because of his humble sacrifice, what happened? You read on, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is exalted the highest place above every other name, above Caesar, above Potus, above Betty White, above Justin Bieber and Justin Bieber's assistant. I mean, all those people and every other rising star on social media. Folks, Jesus, Jesus is king. And what see, God wants us to understand, man, we got to get this, is that the path to significance is not found in pursuing our own fame, our own influence, our own power. It's in living humble lives that make Jesus famous. Think about that. The call on our lives is to make Jesus famous. That's it. So what does that look like? What would it look like for us to follow the example of Jesus and make him famous. Well, the best statement I think I've ever heard on humility, some attribute to C.S. Lewis, others to other people, but I think this makes so much sense. True humility is not thinking less of yourself, right? You know where I'm going, but of thinking yourself, what? Less. You gotta let that one kind of sink in, right? True humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. I want to break that down because here's some ways that I think we can make Jesus famous. First, we don't think less of ourselves. Right? That's the tricky thing about humility. It's not like that. We don't think less of ourselves. See, the humility that Jesus modeled here was not a doormat humility, you know, where you kind of always feel slightly insecure. You never really speak your mind. You have no boundaries. No. In one of his other letters, Paul writes this. He says, we are God's masterpiece. I think we have a slide that says this. Right. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You are God's masterpiece. I want to translate it, translate it to say you're a piece of work, but it comes out a little different. But <laughs> Artwork, masterpiece, you know what I'm talking about. But no, you are a masterpiece. And so Christ-like humility doesn't require you to value yourself less. In fact, quite the opposite. We are humble the way Jesus humble, and that requires us to not think less of ourselves. We think of ourselves as who we truly are, which are sons and daughters of the Most High God. How about that? Yes. And we're out to make him famous. We're out to make him famous. C.S. Lewis, one of the greatest Christian thinkers of the 20th century, he put it this way. <laughs> Stay with me on this one. It's kind of long. Do not imagine that if you meet a really humble man, he will be what most people call humble nowadays. He will not be a sort of greasy, smarmy person who is always telling you that, of course, he is nobody. Is anybody coming to mind right now? <laughs> That's like vivid imagery, isn't that? Probably all you will think about this humble person is that he seemed a cheerful, intelligent chap. I wish I had an accent when I'm saying that for some reason. Who took a real interest in what you said to him. If you do dislike him, it will be because you feel a little envious of anyone who seems to enjoy life so easily. That makes me think of West Stafford. See, if we're going to make Jesus famous, we don't think less of ourselves. But what we do is think of others more. 
we think of others more. The big idea that Paul is trying uh, to drive home is not to think less of yourself, no, but to think of yourself less so that you can think of others more. And he writes in verse 3 and 4, this is the hard part. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Let that one just sink in a little bit. How do we look out for the interests of others? What does that look like? How do we think of others more? I think maybe the easiest way to think about this is just begin to do for others what you would like them to do for you. How about that? What if we all just started doing for others what we would like them to do for us? Uh, for example, you know, I, I like to be included. Anybody else like to be included? Quick show of hands, of course. Yeah, right. If, if you'd like to be included, then include other people. What if you just went out of your way to include people in your life? What a practical way to think of others more, right? Uh, I like it when people affirm me and encourage me. How about you? Yeah, anybody just kind of worn out from all the encouragement they've been getting lately? <laughs> like if, if I hear one more encouraging word, I might just, <laughs> no, of course not, right? That's insane. Catch people doing stuff right. Tell them. I like when people give me unexpected gifts. <laughs> That's kind of cool, huh? I mean, and it, and do it when it's not a, like a holiday or a birthday or Christmas. And if you don't have anybody to try this out on, start with me. <laughs> okay? I like it when people are kind to me. And I know this sounds basic, but let, like, let this sink in, folks. I, I mean, anybody just had their fill of kindness lately? Just, hmm. I'm to the point where I just can't take too much more kindness. Do something kind for somebody, right? I, I like it when other people are praying for me. I mean, don't, don't you? I, I don't know that I've ever asked somebody, hey, you know, can I be praying for you and then be insulted or offended or say no. It's one reason why we have prayer teams, you know, during our communion time because we, we want to be the kind of church, the kind of community that's, man, we're praying for each other. That's a great way to lift somebody else up, to humbly serve them. Just let them know you're praying for them. You see, if we become a community of people who don't think less of ourselves, but we do think more of others, here's what's going to happen. All right? People will notice. Our neighbors will notice. This community, North Lincoln Park, Lakeview, the communities around us, the city on the north side, th they're going to notice. They will see it in how we love our friends and families. They will see it in how we love each other. They will see it in how we love them. They will see it in how we love our city. They will notice that we are a community that loves to love. Wouldn't that be a great accusation? Well, they, that, those people, they love to love. And I guarantee you the watching world will notice and be curious of a community of people like that. So we don't think less of ourselves. We do think more of others. And finally, we give God all the credit. That's, that's it. We give God all the credit. Uh, you know, when the world starts to notice how we love to love, um, when the world starts to notice that, here's what we're going to do, okay? We're going to give God the credit. Let me tell you what that looks like. Uh, when somebody asks, you know, John, how do you, how do you consistently love like that? You could just say, you know, I, I, I could never do it on my own. I just don't have it in me. Um, the love I have is the love I get from God. 
I don't think that would freak anybody out. I think that kind of maybe cause them to like think, <laughs> right? I mean, it's explaining it the way the Bible explains it, right? John said we love because he first loved us, so we explain it the same way the Bible explained it. Why do you love? Well, you know, it's because, I mean, when somebody asks, you know, why, why do you include people? What if you just said, because Jesus does. Uh, why are you so encouraging? Well, because Jesus is. Uh, why are you so generous? I mean, really, why are you so generous? Well, you know, truth is, Jesus was incredibly generous, is incredibly generous. I think that's our strategy for making Jesus famous. We don't think less of ourselves. We do think of others more, and we give God all the credit. I, I have to ask, quick show of hands, who thinks they can do that? Yeah, I'll just assume you're raising your hands on the inside, right? Yeah, I mean, we, that, we can do this. And I really believe if together we did this, it could change our neighborhood, it could change our city, it could change our world. I mean, just think if everyone in this city who claims to follow Jesus would just do this. Man, we could see so much good, so much of God's good in our city. And really, this vision from Paul is the U-plus vision here at Community. And, and living this U-plus life involves us together living out our allegiance to Jesus to make him famous. And, and a great way for you to do this, even right now when we're in the middle of the series, is to join us and read Philippians every single day along with us. If you haven't yet, go to the website, Ask to be sent this email to Community Daily. It's a great little devotional in your inbox every morning at like 4 a.m. before you wake up. Discuss, that what, discuss then what you're reading with a group of Christ-following friends, maybe your small group, and then on your own or together with other people, look for ways you can love others in practical ways. And join us for the remainder of this series. We're going to continue to walk through Philippians over the next couple of weeks as we grow in this U-plus life. I want to finish with this, all right? Wrap up with this. I'm, I'm going to be done. Um, Look at what Paul says will happen. I love this. Look at what Paul says will happen when a community of people live out this Christ-like humility. What does verse 15 say? Just, just read that quietly on your own first. What does it say? That, that sounds like influence to me. How about you? Doesn't it? That, that, that sounds like influence, right? You don't think of yourself less. You just think... You don't, you don't think less of yourself. I mean, I knew I'd get it wrong at some point. You just think of yourself less so that you can think of others more, and then we're going to shine like stars, and God's going to get the credit. All right? All right, let's make Jesus famous, okay? All right, let's pray. Father God, God, thank you for these challenging words and just incredible example of Jesus, Lord. King of kings, Lord of lords came to earth as a human being, yet still God was willing to, to serve, serve to the point of giving up his life, going to the cross, facing that awful, horrific death, and then coming back to life and giving us the opportunity to know the freedom that we can experience from sin and all the awful stuff that we, we go through and we bring on ourselves and other people bring to us. God, thank you for that forgiveness. Thank you for that freedom that we can find in you. God, help us to be dispensers of that. Help us to, help us, Lord, to, to think of others more, to, to make you famous in that way, and, 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 to, and just to give you the credit in a real just simple and sort of conversational way so that, God, we can, we can shine like stars, not to bring 
any light to us, but to bring your light to the world. We pray this in your name. Amen.